everyone. I hope you're all doing so well and welcome back to the Criminal Makeup Podcast. Each episode, we dive into the minds of some of the worst criminals in history. And today we are talking about the case of the North Shields Death Cult. So the North Shields Death Cult, they were this small cult-like group living in the north of England in a town called North Shields. And they were led by an evil man by the name of Zahid Zaman. And Zahid was a narcissist, a con man, a fraud. He also had a tendency for extreme violence. And some of the acts of violence committed in today's case are absolutely horrific. Like seriously, some of the worst acts of violence I've heard about in UK, like UK cases. And this is also a pretty recent case and it's pretty unknown. And I was actually shocked about how undercovered this case is, how under the radar it's gone because of how horrific it is. And caught up in this cult was a vulnerable man named Jimmy Prout. And his story is absolutely heartbreaking. So that is what we are getting into today, the North Shields Death Cult. So let's dive in. So we're going to start with the leader of the cult, the evil Zahid Zaman. I just know that you guys are going to feel the same as I do about this man. Zahid Zaman was born on the 19th of December, 1973, making him a Sagittarius. And I don't really know anything about his background. I don't know where he was born, don't know where he grew up, don't know anything about his family, his school, nothing. And I actually find that a lot with British cases. I don't know what it is. I can just never really find that much background on the majority of the perpetrators from the UK. I find that so weird. So we start today's case and Zahid is 30 years old and he was living in Sheffield. But we do know at 30 years old, and I assume he was like this before 30 years old, he was a complete con man. He was just one of those people that you couldn't trust a single word that came out of his mouth. He lied about absolutely everything. He would tell people how rich he was when he wasn't. He would tell people that he had an amazing job that paid so much money, but he was unemployed. And then something happened in his 30s. Zahid got into a pretty serious car accident. Following the crash, he suffered from a pretty serious head injury. He was apparently in a coma for a very long time after this car crash. And following the accident, he would need to use a wheelchair for the rest of his life. So from this point forward, Zahid would be a wheelchair user. But the thing is, Zahid didn't need to use a wheelchair. It was all a lie. Again, this is him being a con man. And that is why I really want to stress the word apparently, because we actually don't have any evidence that this car accident even happened. I wouldn't be surprised if it didn't. So Zahid would be in a wheelchair all the time, but he didn't need it. He literally just wanted to be in a wheelchair to claim benefits and to get sympathy and attention off people. And there were so many occasions where Zahid when it suited him, he would get up out of his wheelchair. He would even go running down the street after a bus. He would be seen carrying furniture in and out of a home. And people genuinely thought when they saw Zahid out of his wheelchair, they thought, oh my God, this is a miracle. There were even times where Zahid would get into arguments with various people because Zahid, he would get into arguments with a lot of people and he would jump out of his wheelchair ready to start a fight. And I do just want to make this clear. I know that just because you use a wheelchair, wheelchair, you don't need to be in that wheelchair 
24-7 for everything. Wheelchair users use a wheelchair for a variety of different reasons, but Saheed, he genuinely didn't need a wheelchair. And then to just go along with his con man antics, he also liked to catfish people online. So this is in the early 2000s and online dating had just started to become a thing. And Zahid truly, truly loved online dating because he could create a persona and a profile that was a lie. And I just found this absolutely hilarious, but his profile picture on these dating sites, he would pose in front of solid gold bars. You heard that right. Like I said, he liked to make out that he was very, very rich. And the gold bars, they were obviously fake. I don't even know if they were actually real. Maybe he photoshopped them in or something. But who the hell poses in front of gold bars? Like who the hell does that? If anyone does that, run the other way. That is a red flag if I've ever seen one. But it was on these dating sites with his profile in front of all of these gold bars that he met his first follower that would join his little cult that he would form in the future. And this was in 2005 and he met a woman called Kay Rayworth. And Kay, um, what do I say about Kay? Let's just say these two were a match made in hell. And there is part of me that does feel sorry for Kay because she definitely is not treated very well by Zahid. But then uh, she actually turns into a perpetrator herself. So then the sympathy only goes so far. So Kay Rayworth was born on the 10th of November 1960, making her a Scorpio. And she was currently living in North Shields, which is obviously where today's case takes place. And at this point, Kay was 45 years old. She had been married twice before. She had two children from her first marriage. And she was known to be quite a happy, cheerful person. She attended her local church. She sang in the choir. And she would be quite often seen around the community at her local local village hall and playing cricket and stuff. And it was at some point after her second divorce that she was struggling quite a lot. I think she was suffering with depression. She just was struggling a lot with her mental health. And she was definitely in a vulnerable situation that she decided to go on dating sites. And this is where she met Zahid with that profile picture in front of the gold bars. And I just truly don't know what drew her to Zahid. Was it the gold bars? I don't know. But anyway, they start chatting and they hit it off straight away and they start dating kind of like online, like not in person. You know what I mean? And it was in December of 2005 that Zahid, out of nowhere, very quickly asked Kay if he could move in with her. This came out of the blue. It was like, what the hell? They have only just started dating really. And Kay, she was completely taken in by Zahid. And I think she was lonely. So she went, yeah, of course, move in with me. So Zahid made the move from Sheffield to North Shields. And in the beginning, everything was great because it always is, isn't it, in these abusive, narcissistic relationships. Zahid also paid £20,000 off of Kay's mortgage. I don't know where the hell he got that money from, but he didn't do this out of the kindness of his heart. This was a control tactic. It was almost like, oh, I've done you a favor. Now you're in debt to me. This is where I feel sorry for Kay because Kay was really taken in by him. She saw that he was a good person. He's helped her pay her mortgage. Zahid is telling her that he loves her, that he would do anything for her. 
her. She's really getting wrapped up in this relationship and just caught up in everything. And it was just slowly over time, Zahid just started to get more and more control over her. And it was almost like Kay didn't quite realize what was happening at first. So in the beginning, it was just really small things like Zahid would dictate, literally dictate where the furniture could go in the house. But then he started to dictate who Kay could talk to, who she could see, where she was allowed to go. It started off very slowly. It started off with the furniture, but then it ended with Kay being completely isolated from all of her friends and family. She was not allowed to go out. She was only allowed to do things with Zahid's permission. Zahid also stopped Kay from seeing her own children. And Kay went from being quite a happy, bubbly person to now she's just completely isolated and alone. But it gets worse because Zahid soon becomes physically abusive to Kay. Zahid would quite often just get up out of his wheelchair and beat her up. And he would fly into such a rage over the smallest things. He would be verbally abusive, shouting all sorts of things at her. He would also spit in her face. He would pick up a hammer sometimes and start literally smashing the walls and making holes in the walls, being very intimidating and violent. And he completely gaslit Kay. He blamed her for this abuse. And he tried to explain why he was abusing her. He tried to explain why he was such an angry person. And he said that it was because of the car accident that he was in and the brain injury that he had. It made him a very angry person. So he was actually Kay's fault. She needed to stop making him so angry. And Kay did try to leave the relationship a couple of times, but again, he just completely manipulated her into not leaving him. He actually threatened to take his own life if she left him. And he actually did overdose one time, and he said that he would only get his stomach pumped if she went back to him. So Kay went back to him. Again, this is just another classic tactic from a narcissistic abuser, guilt-tripping someone into staying. Another controlling and intimidating tactic that he used is that he said that he was a wanted man from a gang in Sheffield. And Zahid said that he had to wear a bulletproof vest because he was a wanted man. Again, this is just another tactic to control and manipulate Kay into thinking that he is this dangerous man, that he has these dangerous connections, making Kay feel like, well, she can't cross him because he clearly has friends and acquaintances in gangs. And Kay believed all of this, so she never ever left him. So a few years pass and the situation stays the same for Kay and Zahid. They are just living in Kay's house and Kay is essentially trapped in this abusive relationship. So we know that Zahid is a complete monster. However, when it came to his public persona, that was completely different because Zahid, he didn't give a crap what Kay thought of him, but Zahid wanted to be loved by many and he acted like a complete angel in front of everyone else. And this truly is just cult leader 101. It really is, isn't it? They are so charming and charismatic to everybody else. But as soon as they have you, as soon as they have their claws in you, that is when the tables turn. So he pretended to have this heart of gold. He started off by just being a really good neighbor, being nice, caring, friendly to all of his neighbors, helping them, talking to them whenever he could. One of his favorite things to do was to go around everyone and tell them about his car accident that he was in. 
in, you know, talk about how hard it was for him and everyone would give him sympathy because of course they did. They believed this story. He also started to volunteer at a local soup kitchen to help feed the homeless. He really does develop a little bit of a savior complex. He got involved with various different charity events. He was even photographed with the mayor of Newcastle at one point for all of his charity work. Like he was pretty well known in the community as being an upstanding citizen, as being somebody that is a really nice person that would do anything for anyone. There was even one time where he was featured in a local newspaper because he just so happened to find a neighbor's missing dog. And the story in the newspaper was how Zahid is this local hero finding missing dogs. And they actually tried to offer Zahid a reward for finding the missing dog, but Zahid actually said, no, no, I don't want a reward. I just love dogs. I'm just glad that the neighbor, she got her dog back. I'm just here to help. I just love animals, but it's suspected. It hasn't been proven, but it is suspected that Zahid was the one that took the dog in the first place so he could be the hero and save the dog. Like I said, he has a bit of a hero savior complex. And also it really, really infuriates me that he's there banging on about how much he loves animals and he loves dogs. And given what he goes on to do to a dog later on in the case, um, it's just absolutely sickening. So a little bit more time passes and now we actually need to get onto the part of the story where the cult forms because right now it's just Zahid and Kai. So Zahid meets three people in quick succession and they would soon become his followers and this is where he would have his own little cult. So the first person that he met was a woman called Myra Wood. She was born on the 29th of October in 1966, May her a Scorpio, another Scorpio because Kay is also a Scorpio, remember? She was currently 43 years old and she was actually in a very similar situation to Kay. She had literally just gone through a divorce and she met Zahid over Facebook and they started chatting and pretty much just like Zahid and Kay, Zahid and Myra, they instantly hit it off. Zahid still has his profile picture with his gold bars behind him and it wasn't long until Zahid started dating Myra as well as Kay. Yep, yep, he hasn't split up with Kay. No, he wants them both at the same time. Again, another classic characteristic of a cult leader multiple partners. And then this is when he meets a third woman called Anne Corbett. She was born on the 8th of November, 1990, also making her a Scorpio. So we have Zahid, the Sagittarius, and his three female Scorpio followers. Now, this is no shade to Scorpios. I love Scorpios. My nan is a Scorpio. But this is just a little bit weird, isn't it? What the bloody hell are the chances that all three of his female followers are Scorpios? But Anne was currently in her 20s, so she was a lot younger than the other members of the cult. And Anne had a pretty troubled background. She did have learning difficulties. She didn't have the best upbringing. And I think at one point she even fell into homelessness. She was just very vulnerable. She was easily manipulated 
manipulated. She was very naive and it's actually very similar to Kay and Myra. All of them are very vulnerable, very easily manipulated. But Anne, her being younger as well, she's definitely more vulnerable than the other two women. And again, that is just classic cult leader, isn't it? Because he knows who to target. And one day Anne was visiting a soup kitchen in Newcastle because I think this was around the time that she was possibly homeless. And this is where she met Zahid Zaman because remember, he volunteers at soup kitchens because he's a savior and a hero when in actuality, he only volunteered at these soup kitchens to really find vulnerable people to manipulate. And Anne completely fell for his charm. She thought that he was this great person, that he was this hero, that he was someone to look up to. And then finally, we have one more person to talk about that is incredibly vulnerable that also did join the cult. And that was a man called Jimmy Prout. Jimmy was born in 1970, an exact date of birth is not known. And he was currently living in the city of Newcastle and he had a pretty tough start in life. He was the sixth child out of eight children. His dad was totally absent in their childhood and his mom just struggled a lot with her mental health. And because of this, Jimmy actually spent a lot of his childhood in foster care because his mom just couldn't cope. So then at some point in Jimmy's adult life, he formed a relationship with a woman called Mandy and they went on to have two children together. But it wasn't long until Jimmy's whole world just fell apart. He was very vulnerable. He also suffered with learning difficulties. He also got into financial trouble. He just struggled a lot and he never seemed to get the help that he needed. And he also fell into homelessness and he actually lost all contact with his children, which is just so sad. However, despite all of this, Jimmy was actually known to have a very upbeat personality. He was always cheerful. He actually did have a heart of gold unlike Zahid. And then in 2009, when Jimmy is in his late 30s, he was also attending a soup kitchen in Newcastle. He bumped into Zahid and the two of them started chatting and Zahid realized that Jimmy was the perfect victim for him. Jimmy completely fell for the hero stories that Zahid was telling him. Jimmy completely fell for his charm. He thought that Zahid was a good person and Zahid took Jimmy in. So now we have the cult formed. So it is a very small cult and there is a bit of dispute whether this is a cult or not because it only has uh, four followers, but it is a cult. I feel like just because there is only four followers, it's still a cult-like group. Zahid, in his actions, he acts like a cult leader and now he invites everyone to live with him. So he's already living with Kai, but now he wants Myra and and Jimmy to all live with him. So they all live in their little compound, just like a cult. So Zahid is currently living in that small house with Kay, and there is not enough room for the other three followers. So what does Zahid make Kay do? He makes Kay buy a second home for his other followers. It's honestly ridiculous. So Zahid and Kay are currently living at number 35 on St. Stephen's Way in North Shields and Zahid makes Kay buy number 75 St. Stephen's Way, North Shields. So on the same road, not too far away because obviously he wants his other followers close to control them. So Zahid and Kay stay at number 35 and Jimmy and Amira move into number 75. And I did look on Google Maps. Obviously, you guys know that I do. 
through. And something that I found interesting is that number 35, which is where Zahid was living, that is actually blurred out on Google Maps, which I found interesting. I don't actually know if it was blurred out because of this case, but I wouldn't be surprised if it has been. And Zahid is still in a relationship with Kay, and he's also still in a relationship with Myra. So he has two girlfriends now. And then Anne is also a lot younger. Anne is actually not in a relationship with Zahid. Jimmy and Anne actually start a romantic relationship. So they're all kind of like coupled up and together. It's definitely a little bit of a strange setup and situation. So that is the cult. They are currently living in two houses. And this is really where the cult really does start. Because we already know that Zahid has complete control over Kay. He has completely isolated her. Well, now he does the exact same thing to the other three followers. No one is allowed to interact with anyone that is not in their little group. They have to cut off their friends, family, everyone. They also had to follow Zahid's beliefs and agree with all of his opinions. They basically had to be like robots. Zahid dictated everything. He dictated what they thought, what they believed in. Anyone that wasn't in the group was an outcast, was a weirdo. You shouldn't interact with anyone outside of the group. And there was definitely a hierarchy in this cult. So we obviously have Zahid. He is the cult leader. And then next in the hierarchy behind Zahid, we have Kay and Myra, his two girlfriends. And they are are essentially his enforcers. They are his eyes and ears. They are trusted more by Zahid because they're in like a relationship. And do you remember the case of Anne Hamilton Byrne? You remember the aunties? Well, that is what Kay and Myra remind me of. They kind of remind me of the aunties. They're the enforcers. They're the security. And then next in line, we have Anne, who is the youngest female cult member. And she wasn't in a relationship with Zahid. So she was seen as less important to him, but she was still seen as a of Jimmy, who Jimmy is at the very, very, very bottom. Jimmy was treated like absolute utter crap by all of the cult members. Zahid definitely took advantage of the fact that Jimmy was very vulnerable and that he would do anything for anyone. So Jimmy would have to do the menial tasks around the homes, for example. He would have to do all the cooking, the cleaning, any maintenance work on any of the properties. He literally had to do everything and he wasn't paid for it or anything like that. He was actually treated really badly. Like if the property wasn't clean to a certain standard, he would get beaten, insults would be thrown at him. And people that were outside of the cult that could see what was going on has basically said that Jimmy was, quote, a slave for the group. And it's just crazy that people did know about this cult. People were very aware of the weird, strange behavior in these two houses. People were starting to become aware of just who Zahid was. For example, when the group was seen out in public, they had to walk in a line behind Zahid. Zahid would be at the front in his wheelchair, and then behind him in a line would literally be Kay, then Myra, then Anne, and then Jimmy behind. No one was allowed to walk in front of him. And it was when he had his cult that Zahid stopped caring about what other people thought of him. Because up until now, he's almost had that hero savior complex. He's wanted people to like him, show him attention, give him sympathy. He wanted to come across as a good person. Well, now that he has followers and power within his group, he doesn't care about anyone else. So his mask starts to fall and Zahid becomes an absolute nightmare for his neighbors. Oh my God, I wouldn't wish Zahid as a neighbor on anyone. So first of all, the two houses that he has, even though he doesn't have them, I just want to make that very clear. Kai owns both of these houses, but Zahid definitely acts like they're his houses. So both of the houses, he completely boards up. 
I'm talking the windows, he boards them up. He doesn't want anyone seeing inside, but I think more importantly, he doesn't want his followers to see outside. Again, another control tactic. He sets up CCTV around all of the houses. However, he hasn't set up CCTV as security for his houses. He's actually set up CCTV to spy on his neighbors. Yeah, the cameras, they're not pointing at his house. They are pointing out on the street at his neighbor's homes, looking at everything that the neighbors are doing because he wants to catch his neighbors out. He wants to catch the neighbors doing anything that he can report to the police or the local council. He would love to report his neighbors for any kind of violations, like if they were parking outside of his house, for little petty things like that. He was rude. He was insulting to his neighbors. He would also wear a little camera, a body cam at all times, hoping to catch his neighbors doing something that he could report to the police. He would literally go around his neighborhood, trying to start arguments with people, record them, and then send this evidence, whatever this evidence is, into the police and say, look, these people are harassing me. It's crazy. He literally did everything to intentionally annoy his neighbors. There was one time where he was in his wheelchair and he was going down the street and he was intentionally knocking over everyone's rubbish bins. So rubbish was going everywhere all over the street. And a neighbor asked him, what the hell are you doing? To which Zahid tried to get into an argument with that neighbor to record them, to send them to the police. And it's just like, oh my God, this is what I mean. He is the literal definition of a neighbor from hell. He was also a complete nightmare inside of his own home. So in the house style that Zahid lived in, he shared a wall with a neighbor. Well, he just started making so much noise at random times in the middle of the night. He would bang on the walls intentionally trying to wake up the neighbors, annoy them. He would start hammering around at God knows what time in the middle of the night. I honestly don't know how no one reported him. I mean, I'm sure they did, but why was nothing done about Zahid. And whenever he would report his neighbors to the police, he would always say that people were being racist towards him and discriminating against him because of his disabilities. And it just simply wasn't true. He never had any evidence of this. And everyone in the neighborhood really did start to hate him, which I don't blame them. And if that wasn't bad enough, Zahid actually started to get physical with his neighbors. So there was one time where he got into an argument with a neighbor over rubbish. I don't know what exactly the argument was about, but I wouldn't be surprised if the neighbor was having a go at him for knocking over the bins. So anyway, they got into an argument and Zahid got a snooker ball, put it in a sock and beat his neighbor with the snooker ball in the sock. Again, what the bloody hell? Why isn't he being reported to the police about this? And then in another incident, I can't believe he did this. He nearly actually got away with this. He was trying to get more benefits off the council because of his disabilities that don't exist. And the council refused to give him more benefits. And he got so angry at his local councillor that he forged a letter from her. And in the letter, he included a load of racial slurs and discriminatory language against his disabilities. And he reported his local councillor to the police. And because this letter, it was really well done. He had the proper council heading and everything. He even had the woman's signature. He clearly did it on Photoshop or something. But the police genuinely believed that this letter was was real that this counselor had been incredibly racist and discriminatory against him. And she was investigated. She was brought into the police station and she almost got fired. And thankfully they discovered that the letter was fake, but that must have been traumatic for her to go through a whole police investigation. There was another time where a neighbor accidentally 
kicked a ball over his fence and it landed in his garden. So Zahid, in response to this, decided to burn down his neighbor's shed. Again, what the bloody hell? You wouldn't want to get on the bad side of Zahid, especially as a neighbor. You just don't know what he's going to do. So hopefully that gives you an idea of what Zahid is like. And can you imagine if that is what he is like in public? Can you imagine what he is like behind closed doors? So a few more years go by and this is pretty much what happens over those few years. The cult is still set up in the exact same way. Zahid is still a nightmare for his neighbors. He's still treating his followers really badly, but especially Jimmy. But as those years start to go by, Zahid's behavior does become very, very weird. So first of all, his violence increased, which is not too weird when you think that he's a cult leader. That is actually very common in a cult, but it increased. It increased towards everyone. Everyone in this cult was so scared of him. He would jump out of his wheelchair again with a hammer. He would beat some of them sometimes with a hammer. He would get angry at his girlfriends, Myra and Kay, for the smallest little things. He kept saying to Myra, but I assume he probably was saying this to everyone, that he could kill any of them at any time. He could do it. He would get away with it. He would also hold a knife to Myra's throat. Again, I assume he was probably doing this to all of them. There was one time where he sat on Myra until she couldn't breathe. She passed out. On top of this, Zahid was also demanding sex from Myra and Kay all the time morning, noon, and night. And this is where it starts to get weird, very disturbingly weird. And I am going to have to give a warning now. This is where we get to um, some disgusting treatment of animals. But before we get to the animal bit, there was one disturbing fetish that he had, and that is that he wanted Kay and Myra to drink his urine. So he would wee in a cup and he would make them drink his urine and he would get off on that. But um, now we get to the animal bit. So Zahid was into bestiality porn. I can't even believe that exists. It shouldn't and it should be wiped from the internet. But he would watch a ton of videos of women having sex with animals, especially dogs. Again, I just don't even want to think about this kind of thing. So Zahid liked bestiality so much that he went out and he bought his own dogs and he tried to force Myra and Kay to have sex with his dogs. What the hell? Like, no, no, no. Thankfully, Myra and Kay refused. This is where they drew the line. But unfortunately, this is not the last time that these poor dogs would actually come up in this story. It's just like, oh my God, this man, can you get much worse? So that is how he's abusing all of his followers, but mainly Myra and Kay because he's in a relationship with them. So that's where the sexual abuse and everything comes in. But if you think that that is bad, that is nothing compared to what starts to happen to Jimmy because Jimmy is at the bottom of the pile. Zahid literally uses Jimmy as a punching bag. And this is where we're about to get onto the sick and twisted events of today's case. Even though this this case has already been so twisted and horrible. It is now 2015. Zahid and Jimmy are both in their early to mid 40s. Myra and Kay are both in their mid 50s. And Anne is in her mid 
20s. And the group have always seen Jimmy as the bottom of the pile, the punching bag. He has always been treated the worst. But over the years, the treatment of Jimmy just continued to get worse and worse. He was still being treated like the group's slave. He had to do all of the housework, cooking, cleaning, gardening, maintenance, everything. But in the autumn of 2015, something significant would happen that would make everything so much worse for Jimmy. Because at some point, Anne's brother, Ivan, came to stay with the cult. So he was staying in number 75 with his sister Anne and also Jimmy and also Myra. Now, Zahid, I can imagine he tried to recruit Ivan into his little cult. However, Ivan couldn't be controlled and manipulated as easily as the others. So Ivan didn't join the cult. So Zahid had a strong dislike of Ivan because he couldn't control him. And then whilst Ivan was staying with the cult at number 75, Zahid's tools went missing. Now, who took these tools? We don't know. Did these tools even go missing? We don't know. We know that Zahid likes to make things up. Now, it is strongly suspected that it was Ivan that took these tools. However, Zahid can't take his anger out on Ivan. Ivan is not under Zahid's control. So even though Zahid did think that it was Ivan that took his tools, he decided to place all of the blame on Jimmy. And he flew into a rage. He was so angry. Even though Jimmy never took these tools, Jimmy was completely innocent. But for some reason, this whole tool going missing, it really escalated the violence towards Jimmy. And it's crazy that up until this point, Zahid was almost holding back. Well, now he was ready to unleash his full sadistic urges. And the rest of the cult, they agreed to go along. So almost on a daily basis, Jimmy would be beaten black and blue. And the whole group would join in, by the way. This was not just Zahid now. But the thing is, even though the other three are joining in on the beatings, they're almost enjoying it as well. They are completely under Zahid's spell and they all egg each other on. It's so sick. And Zahid realized how much control he had over his three followers, Myra, Kay, and Anne. So Zahid most of the time actually just sat back and watched as he instructed the other three to abuse and beat Jimmy. And I was thinking to myself, why is Zahid doing this? What is he getting out of this? Like, what is his motivation? And it really is just control, which is pretty much the motivation for most cult leaders, isn't it? Control. They want complete and utter control over somebody. And Zahid really does have complete and utter control over four people. He has so much control over Kay, Myra, and Anne that he's able to instruct them to attack another human being and they are doing it willingly. And then he also has so much control over Jimmy because Jimmy is not running away. And this is what Zahid is getting off on. And this abuse, this escalation of abuse goes on for weeks. And the abuse just continued to get more and more sadistic. Zahid bought various new instruments to beat up Jimmy with, his favorite being a rubber mallet. And he would beat Jimmy with this rubber mallet. He would also beat Jimmy with various other house household objects. The group also started to restrict Jimmy's food. Again, another classic cult tactic. They literally were starving him. He barely had any food and he lost so much weight. And there are pictures of Jimmy before and after all of this. And oh my God, he looks so frail. He looks so weak. It's just so heartbreaking when you see these photos of Jimmy and the abuse that he's going through. Jimmy was also forced to stand 
for hours, never allowed to sit down. And what's just so heartbreaking about this case and what is also incredibly frustrating about this case is that Jimmy was posting on Facebook. Jimmy was posting photos of himself on Facebook. And in these photos, you can clearly see the abuse. His face is black and blue. His body is bruised. He looks so gaunt. He has lost so, so much weight. These kinds of injuries only come from abuse. And he would post these photos and selfies of himself with captions, quote, my body hurts. I need help. I'm in so much pain. But sadly, no one helped him. No one even interacted with his posts, apart from Anne, who, remember, Anne is apparently his girlfriend. Anne just liked every single one of those posts. It's truly just sick. But it wasn't just Facebook. Jimmy also went to the hospitals one time to get his injuries treated. But the thing is... Zahid accompanied him. So he showed up to the hospital. He had bruises everywhere, all over his body, all over his face. He also had stab wounds to his upper body. Yeah, you heard that right, stab wounds. And also his left shoulder was completely fractured. Not normal injuries. So when the doctor asked him, how did you get these injuries? Zahid, he's obviously there. He spoke up and said, oh, Jimmy just got into a fight with um, a gang. The gang attacked him and the doctor, didn't ask any more questions. Why did the doctor not find it suspicious that Zahid was speaking for Jimmy? Zahid is not the carer of Jimmy, so therefore he shouldn't speak for him. But yeah, there was no questions asked. And I just feel so sad for Jimmy. I really do because he is asking for help. So now we get to the end of 2015, and if you think things have been bad so far, well, that is nothing compared to what is about to come. And I do need to give a warning, this next section is definitely going to be difficult to listen to. So by this point, the abuse had been going on for months, and Zahid was really thriving on the sadistic abuse and torture. And it was at this point that Zahid decided that the abuse and torture that Jimmy was already going through was not enough. He wanted to escalate it. The group would take it in turn to now strangle Jimmy. They would smash glass bottles over his head. They would also stand on him until he couldn't breathe. And now we get to the horrific part because this is now just pure extreme torture because Zahid decided to pull out a pair of pliers and decided to forcibly remove Jimmy's teeth with the pliers one by one. He's pulling out his teeth with pliers and Jimmy has no pain relief or anything like that. No sedative, nothing. And if the pliers were not working on a particular tooth, Zahid would get a chisel and a hammer and smash his teeth out. And Jimmy was obviously left in agony. He was screaming, but it gets worse. It really does get worse because now the animals come back into it. And I'm actually thankful that I don't know too many details about this next event because I truly do not want to know. What I already know is too much. But remember that Zahid has a thing for bestiality porn. Again, I can't believe these words are going to leave my mouth. You think you've heard it all and then you come across this case. Zahid forced Jimmy to have sex with his dogs. And I'm so thankful that I don't know any more details than that. And I just have no words. Like I absolutely have no words. This man is so disgusting and sick. And then finally, if that wasn't bad enough, again, I actually cannot believe I am about to say what I'm going to say. There is one last truly horrific incident because after the sexual assault with the dogs, oh God, I can't believe that even happened. But after that whole thing with the dogs, the 
he'd then announced to the group that he was going to, quote, remove one of Jimmy's bulls. And Zahid turned to Jimmy and said, which one do you want me to remove? I can't believe this. I know. What the hell? And Jimmy just responded, I don't know. I can't believe this is about to happen because it does. Zahid takes out a Stanley knife, which is like a box cutter, and he hands the knife to Anne and he tells Anne to cut off one of Jimmy's balls. Oh God, it's absolutely horrific. Now, Anne did refuse. That was where she drew the line. She was like, no, I'm not doing that. So then Zahid took the knife off her and proceeded to do it himself. Zahid went up to Jimmy, sliced open his scrotum and removed one of his testicles. And again, I cannot believe that Jimmy was awake during this. No pain relief, no sedative, nothing. Everything that I have said in this video, Jimmy has been fully awake and conscious for. And what really gets me is that the three women they just stood and watched this. It's all well and good refusing to participate, like Anne saying, no, I don't want to do it. I don't want to cut one of his balls off. But by watching and not doing anything, you are just as culpable. And then just to make this so much worse and to humiliate Jimmy even more, Zahid took the testicle into the kitchen. He boiled it in some water what the actual hell. And then after he boiled the testicle, he went back into the living room with it. And then Zahid forced Jimmy to eat it. I think we all just need to take a moment right now and take a deep breath. And I know what you're thinking. Surely he didn't eat it. Surely he didn't. How could someone eat their own testicle? But Jimmy, not knowing what to do, I mean, he's just completely beaten down. He has been abused and tortured for months at this point. He had lost the will to fight back and Jimmy ate his own testicle. And Zahid and the three women, they found this hilarious. They were laughing with one another. They even asked Jimmy, how does it taste? And Jimmy was not taken to see a doctor after this because you've got to remember they have literally just cut open his scrotum. Zahid just instructs Anne to cauterize the wound and sew it up. And this is why I ultimately don't have any sympathy for Myra Kay or Anne. Initially, in the beginning, I felt sorry for them because they were just as trapped as Jimmy and they were also being abused. But now they are actively participating and they are not making any attempts to stop Zahid, report him. And it's even reported that the three women would joke and laugh about the treatment of Jimmy between themselves. And what is just the worst of it is because we obviously know that the group don't care about Jimmy, but the authorities didn't seem to care about Jimmy either. Because Jimmy went to the doctors and hospital on a number of occasions because of his wounds. But every single time, Zahid would accompany him. Zahid would talk over Jimmy. He would talk for him and make up some BS story. So there was one time where Jimmy went to the doctors after all of his teeth were pulled out with pliers. And Zahid actually told the doctor, that Jimmy had done this to himself. I'm like, are you being serious? And the doctor believed him and didn't ask any more questions. But what gets me is that if someone genuinely has pulled out their own teeth with pliers, they need 
help. Why aren't they helping Jimmy in some kind of way? In fact, there was a report done on this case after the whole case and everything concluded, and it was found that the authorities had 17 separate occasions to save Jimmy. Let that sink in. 17 occasions, separate occasions, where the authorities at any point could have stepped in and the outcome of this case would have been totally different. The group would even take Jimmy out in public, not caring if anyone saw him. And there's actually quite a lot of CCTV footage of Jimmy out and about in the streets with the group. And you can just see that he's basically being dragged around by Myra and Kay. And you can just see Jimmy in the CCTV. He looks so frail and weak. He's stumbling around. He can't walk properly. And it's like, no wonder he couldn't walk around given what injuries he has. He's probably in so much pain and he's being dragged around by this group. And then we finally get to February of 2016. This is just days after some of that CCTV footage. And this is sadly where we get to the tragic events of today's case because Jimmy has now suffered through abuse and torture for months now. I don't actually know what day it started, but the extreme torture started in the autumn time of 2015. And now we're in February of 2016. And obviously he was being mistreated for years before that. So after going through months of extreme torture, Jimmy's body just couldn't take it anymore. He was in so, so much pain. So in the early hours of the 9th of February, 2016, Jimmy was lying awake and he was screaming in pain because he was in so so much pain. He couldn't hold his screams in anymore. And Myra and Anne are the two women that live with him in 74 St. Stephen's Way. They were being kept up all night because Jimmy was screaming. He was in a different room. He was screaming in pain. And Myra and Anne were getting really fed up with him. It's crazy, isn't it, that they are getting annoyed at him for screaming in pain from the abuse and torture that they have inflicted. So at around 5am that morning, Myra sent Zahid a text that said, quote, that bastard had me awake all night. And in response to this, Zahid said that himself and Kay were going to go over to the house to deal with Jimmy, to keep him quiet. So when Zahid and Kay arrived at the house, the group gathered around. So the group is Zahid, Kay, Myra and Anne, and they're trying to figure out how to shut Jimmy up. So this is when Zahid instructed Anne to take a pair of trousers and essentially gag Jimmy. Tie the pair of trousers around his face, covering his mouth to stop him from screaming. So this is what Anne did. And it did stifle his screams. He wasn't as loud. So the group was satisfied that Jimmy was now going to be quiet. So everyone went back to bed. Zahid and Kay, they went back to their own house. Myra and Anne went to bed. However, tragically, this is when the absolute worst thing happened. Because Anne had tied the gag around Jimmy's face, covering his mouth but she had also covered his nose, meaning that Jimmy was unable to breathe. And at some point in the next hour or so, Anne and Myra went to check on Jimmy and they found him not breathing. They couldn't find a pulse. There was no signs of life. And tragically, at some point in that hour, Jimmy Prout, who was 45 years old, lost his life. For it to end in such a horrific way, the fact that he was just there alone, I can't even imagine how alone he would have felt in that moment. He's probably felt alone for years. It's just so, so heartbreaking. So following the horrific murder, because... 
Oh, it technically is murder. I know there would be some debate that it was a voluntary manslaughter because they didn't actually intend to kill him by tying trousers around his face. They only wanted to gag him and silence him. However, I feel like the treatment of Jimmy and what they have done to him, you can't cut out someone's testicle. You can't pull out someone's teeth. You can't stab them multiple times. You can't beat them and not have intent for murder. You can't, I'm sorry. So I'm gonna call it murder, okay? So after the horrific murder. Myra got straight on the phone to Zahid to tell him that Jimmy had passed away. And Zahid, was he remorseful in any way? Did he have any regrets? No, of course he didn't. Zahid was convinced he was going to get away with this, so he jumped straight into action. First of all, he collected a spare wheelchair that he had from his garage and himself and Kay made their way over to 75 St. Stephen's Way. And this is where the group, Zahid, Kay, Myra and Anne, they wrapped Jimmy's body up in a sleeping bag, placed him in a wheelchair before wheeling him outside. And I cannot believe that they just did this so blasé. They really just didn't care if anyone was going to see them. And I'm not entirely sure on the time that they did this, but it was 5 a.m. when they had that little meeting about what to do with Jimmy. And then it was an hour later that they found Jimmy's body. So this could be anywhere between 6 and 7 a.m. possibly. I mean, I know that is very early, but there would still be people possibly around. And then the group wheeled Jimmy's body to a nearby wasteland. That was was only about 100 meters or so from the house. They haven't exactly dumped his body very far. Do they truly think that they are going to get away with this? And I read that their intention behind putting Jimmy's body in the wasteland was that if he did get found, because Jimmy did live a more transient lifestyle, they were hoping that his death would be ruled as an accident and he just died from the elements. So I think that is why they dumped his body so close to the house, because they just really genuinely thought that if he was found, it would be ruled an accident. They returned home and they started a little bonfire to burn any evidence that they had that could link them to the murder. And then they went back to their normal life. And then in the days that followed the murder, Zahid went around the neighborhood trying to act all innocent and started saying things like, has anyone seen Jimmy? Has anyone seen Jimmy? We haven't seen him in a few days. We don't know where he's gone. He really is trying to make sure that no one suspects him. It's like, Zahid, you have been terrorizing this neighborhood for years. People are going to suspect you. So Jimmy was reported missing to the police and a search was put out to try and find him, but no one had a clue where he could be. And I really don't understand why Zahid and his little group of followers were not looked into a little bit more closely closely, but it seems like not much effort was really put into trying to find Jimmy because he did live a more transient lifestyle and the police just didn't really seem to care. And eventually the days turned into weeks and Jimmy's body was still not found. Zahid and the group really did think they had gotten away with murder. So much so that they actually returned to the scene of the crime. They went to Jimmy's body in the wasteland to retrieve his bank card so they could also steal money from him. You really can't get worse than these people. And six weeks go by and no one knows where Jimmy is still. It's absolutely crazy. And the group really did think that they had gotten away with murder. And what is actually scary is that they possibly could have gotten away with this murder. However, they would ultimately be their own downfall because Anne, who was the youngest of the group, she was not coping very well after murdering Jimmy. She was really convinced that the police would track her down. And all she wanted to do was go to the police and 
confess, get it all over with. But Zahid was not about to let this happen. And because he knew that it was only a matter of time before Anne went to the police, Zahid came up with a plan on how to pin everything on Anne. So he went back to his forgery days and he writes a three-page confession to Jimmy's murder and signs the letter by Anne. I'm not quite sure if Anne realized what was going on, but she actually did go on the run. Zahid dials 999 and tells the police that he himself is in great danger because he knows a woman called Anne and she has murdered a man called Jimmy Prout. She has written a confession to the murder. And now Anne was also trying to kill him. I can't believe he truly thought that this was going to work. The police head straight over to Zahid's house. They find him with both of his girlfriends, Kay and Myra. Zahid hands the police the confession letter from Anne. And thankfully, the police actually use their brains in this situation because they think to themselves, this is too suspicious. Why does this man have an apparent confession to someone else's murder? And obviously the police have it on their records that Jimmy Prout is a missing person. So because they find this way too suspicious, they actually arrest Zahid, Myra, and Kay. And the three of them are taken down to the police station for questioning. And I just find this absolutely hilarious because Zahid truly thought that his plan was going to work. He truly thought that he was going to be able to pin everything on Anne. So obviously Anne is actually currently on the run, but they do manage to track her down. So now they have all four of the cult members in custody. And as soon as all four of them are interviewed, they all turn on each other. Their cult-like bond is officially broken. However, as the interrogation continued, it was Anne who was the youngest. She finally cracked. She couldn't hold it in any longer. I mean, obviously we know that she actually did want to confess quite a while ago. She told the police exactly what had happened to Jimmy the night that he had died. She was even able to take the police directly to Jimmy's body. So now the police finally know what has happened to Jimmy. However, because six weeks had passed and Jimmy's body had just been exposed to the elements and also wildlife had gotten to it, it was quite badly decomposed and a cause of death couldn't actually be identified. Even though his body was badly decomposed, they could still see the extreme torture that his body had gone through. They could see that all of his teeth had been taken out. They had been broken, smashed in. They also could see that one of his testicles had been removed. He had stab marks all over his body. He was black and blue. There were bruises. They also came across Jimmy's social media posts begging for help. They also saw the CCTV footage of Jimmy essentially being dragged around. And it was now that the story broke in the media and it was the media that gave the name the North Shields Death Cult. So then a year passes and we get to May of 2017. And this is when the trial finally goes ahead. And all four, Zahid, Myra, Kay and Anne, they all plead not guilty. But Zahid, he was really determined to get away with this. He kept painting himself to be a really vulnerable man that had to use a wheelchair, that he had been in this devastating accident that had changed his life and that he could never be responsible for anything like this. He was a good upstanding citizen. However, all three 
three women had come to their senses finally and actually told the truth about Zahid. Exactly who he was, what he was capable of, and how he treated all three of them, but also how he treated Jimmy. They gave excruciating detail about all of the abuse and torture that Zahid had carried out on Jimmy, that Zahid had ordered them to carry out on Jimmy. And the trial lasted about two weeks and it just kept going round and round and round. However, in the closing arguments, the prosecution argued that Zahid had controlled and manipulated this group for years and that the methods of violence and abuse that Zahid had carried out belonged in quote, the dark ages. Prosecution also said that without Zahid, Jimmy wouldn't have been murdered. That without Zahid, the three women, Kay, Myra and Anne, would never have come together on their own and inflicted this kind of violence and ultimately murdered Jimmy. Without Zahid, Jimmy wouldn't have lost his life. And I agree with that. I really do. Because even though the women, in my opinion, they are just as culpable because they did stand by and pretty much do nothing, I think we can all say that without Zahid, the three women would not have murdered Jimmy. The prosecution also concluded that Anne Corbett delivered the final blow. She was the one responsible for tying the trousers around Jimmy's face. She was the one ultimately responsible for his murder. The prosecution didn't take it easy on Kay or Myra either and basically said that they are just as guilty because they stood by and did nothing. So after the closing arguments, the jury went off to deliberate. And once they returned, the verdicts that they gave were they found Anne Corbett guilty of murder and she was sentenced to a minimum of 27 years in prison. They also found Zahid Zaman guilty of murder as well and he was sentenced to a minimum of 33 years in prison. Now for Kay and Myra, they were actually found not guilty for murder. However, they were found guilty for causing or allowing the murder of a vulnerable adult. And Kay was sentenced to 12 years in prison and Myra was sentenced to nine years in prison. And thankfully, they are actually all still in prison to this day where they belong. And I'm really glad that Zahid got the longest sentence out of all of them because he is definitely the main perpetrator in today's case. And that brings us to the end of today's case. Like I said, it was an absolutely horrific one. And I just can't believe that there is not more coverage on this case online. The fact that Zahid got away with controlling, manipulating, abusing and torturing people for years is mind blowing. But finally, I want to end this focusing on the victim of this absolutely horrific case, which is Jimmy Prout. Jimmy Prout was described as a kind, friendly and caring person. He'd had a tough start in life. He was incredibly vulnerable and suffered with severe learning difficulties. But despite this adversity, he always remained upbeat. He was always able to put a smile on people's faces and he would always do all he could to help anyone out. In his passing, his ex-wife and brother have released statements saying that Jimmy truly did have a heart of gold, that he was one of the kindest people they had ever met and that they would miss him greatly. And he was taken far, far too soon. He was only 45 years old. And that brings us to the end of the episode on the North Shields death cult and Zahid Zaman. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening today. Subscribe or follow to make sure you never miss an episode of The Criminal Makeup. And if you enjoyed the show, it would really mean a lot if you could leave a five-star review. In the meantime, if you've been affected by any of the themes in this episode, please take the time to look at the description for this episode for some helpful resources. Special thanks to my producers at Audio Boom Studios, and I'll see you all in the next one.